Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today. I'm taping this episode at midnight, and it's late, and I'm tired. And I'm hoping that when you hear it, you're feeling refreshed. The readings for today have a theme I would like to ponder a little bit on, and it's the idea of certainty. We like certainty. We like to know things. We like to have assurances. We like to know where we're going. We, we like people to tell us what to do, to do it. We love a list of things that we can accomplish, check them off. We feel happy when we can do that. But have you thought what life would be like if everything was known and, and certain? I think if we knew what was going to happen today exactly, we might feel good because we're in a time of a lot of uncertainty. But if that was the case every day, I think after a little while, we would feel pretty bored, for example. So we have the gift of uncertainty as well. And Jesus, I think, is inviting the Pharisees into a mindset of uncertainty, which means allow yourselves to witness what's happening here. Open your eyes. Don't let the, the certainty of the letter of the law that you're following to a T prevent you from seeing the wonder and the miracle and the sense of awe that is in front of you. So these two forces are desire of achieving a sense of certainty for, for many things versus one in which we want to be jolted into a state of awe is a thought that can help us in our spiritual journey. In the first reading of Isaiah 38, the king Hezekiah is ill, is about to die, and he prays and God gives him 15 more years. One thing we do know regarding certainty is that we're all going to die and I'm wondering how that affects us. If we've been close to a death encounter, it can really shake us up and make us realize that life is temporary, that we're moving through it in pretty quick fashion, and that our lives are not that long. So to use them well, to know how to develop a power, a sense of energy that is directed to live our life well, knowing that what we have has been given to us by God. And in this responsorial psalm today, we have some additional words from Isaiah. You saved my life, O Lord, I shall not die. So the idea of death again and seeking the protection of God, the creator of the universe who set everything in motion, is a thought that we know also, we can have certainty that when everything else fails, our God is there. He does not fail us. 
Four years ago, a month after my father died, we had a terrible car crash. We were driving from Corpus Christi a Beach in the Gulf of Mexico to Houston, and in a very small road, a car T-boned us, and everybody that saw the accident and everybody afterwards in the hospital, the pilot that brought us from the scene of the accident to the hospital, the sheriff who came to take the car, everybody said that it was a miracle. When you go through an experience like that, you are shaken to the core with a realization that life is short and time is fleeting, like the poet says. In the psalm today, you saved my life, O Lord, and I shall not die. I'm reminded of the feelings and the thoughts we had at that moment when we were all in the hospital and we had to call people to come get us. And it wasn't close. It was a few hours away. We had family and friends that came to get those that could return and those of us that had to stay in the hospital stayed behind. But in those times of uncertainty, when we don't know what's going to happen, if surgery is going to be needed, or today where we're waiting for COVID-19 tests for tomorrow for one of my children. And that gives you a sense of deep uncertainty about what happens if it's positive. Do we have to be quarantined for 14 days? That's the minor of all things. But in the lockdown, quarantine has been hard for the last few days, just waiting, separating everybody, the food and and um, everything that my daughter is touching. So the other ones that have had to remain home, not leaving because they don't want to infect anyone else, it just puts another layer of uncertainty and piled on so many other uncertainties. This is a study during the pandemic for us, for all of us citizens of the world, how well do we deal with with uncertainty? It can cause a lot of stress. It can send us into a state of anxiety because we don't know how to control what's happening. But we can also learn in the midst of it how to master our emotions a little better. We can use our breathing. We can focus on deep breaths. That's very essential. It's part of our centering meditation. Thomas Merton has a whole school on the contemplative meditation that you could use as a way to find peace in the midst of chaos. I'm finding myself meditating a lot more, listening to music. I've disconnected from the news. So we find ways to deal with the anxiety, for example, that comes around when we are uncertain. And then we can practice a very important thing for our spiritual life, abandoning ourselves joyfully in God's hands, knowing that he's got this, that he is sitting on the throne, that he will deliver us, that we are entrusted to him. We can only do the very best we can with the things we can control. And one of the things that we can control is our emotional state our mindset. And this has been a really great place to discipline our sense of emotional response to certainty and uncertainty. You saved my life, O Lord, I shall not die, brought me to that scene of the accident where we were miraculously saved. 
And it's important in moments like today when I'm waiting for test results to remember those times and those places where we have been delivered, where God has clearly walked with us. And those memories are also a weapon in moments when we need clarity that God is with us. Jesus, our master, jolts us into a state of awe many times, doesn't he? In the reading today from Matthew 12, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, can you imagine him walking through a field of grain? I'm reminded of the song of the fields of uh, grain that is so beautiful because you can imagine the golden light hitting it and you can imagine a slow walk and talking, maybe singing, and the kind of joyfulness that Jesus must have exuded as he instructed patiently the disciples. And they're hungry. It's so wonderful that they also display all these human things. We're hungry for certainty in these uncertain times about many things. Like now we know that the kids are going to school for a little bit if things continue in this direction. So we have kind of partial certainty. Can you imagine what they were thinking? But they are picking heads of grain. They're eating them and they know it's the Sabbath. So what kind of freedom are they learning from Jesus that they recognize they can actually do this? But the Pharisees see them. And if we know the Pharisees are trying to look for what's wrong. They're trying to keep Jesus in a short leash so that he doesn't create rebellion or ways of acting that go outside of the law. And they come to him. It's unlawful. And he responds to them in a several-part response, as he often does. First, he tells them about David and how he and his companions ate the bread from the temple when they were hungry, and that the priests themselves are in the temple working so that they are also, in a way, breaking the law. And then he ends by saying, there is something greater than the temple here. That's like almost hitting them with a two by four saying, you're so connected to the letter of the law that you cannot witness what's here. You are so certain in your ways that you cannot witness uncertainty. You cannot witness that window of surprise and awe that the Son of God is walking amongst you and you are coming to say you are doing unlawful things from eating. And he ends with one of those beautiful condemned statements. You have. You wouldn't condemn these innocent men if you understood this, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, he ends with a punch that is fully dangerous. To say the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath is basically telling them, I am the Son of God. And how do you say truth like that to somebody that cannot even understand that eating some of this grain was important to recognize as a sign that something different was here? when we're so focused on the letter of the law, on keeping a schedule so tight that if there's any deviation 
we cannot enjoy something. How many times I remember being so focused on a nap time, it has to be at four o'clock, that something delightful might have been happening with one of my kids, that they were reading something special, but I was so intent in keeping the four o'clock nap that that sense of desired certainty stopped me from stopping and smelling the roses. So when you notice that there is a persistent complaint about yourself, when you notice that you return to a particular house of emotion content, and perhaps you're a worrier, you worry a lot. Perhaps you are joyful and you like joking and that's your house. Perhaps you are peaceful. Perhaps you're angry and you use anger as a fuel to accomplish things and you keep returning to a house of anger. I tend to return to a house of overwhelm. I've done that in my past, fill up my plate with things and then use a sense of overwhelm to both get pity from people around me. Can you see that I'm so busy? Or to distance myself from people. Can you see you're interrupting me? And developing a sense of self-importance because I don't have time for you. At the bottom of these feelings, we have to get to the truth of ourselves because at the bottom of our heart, there are some basic feelings that probably you hear in your own mind all the time that we are not good enough or that we are not loved. And can you believe that those are universal? All of us have those thoughts and feelings. When we recognize that they're universal, then we can step outside of them. But first we have to recognize where is our tendency And if we are going into a house of worry a lot, and that's where we are living, how might we step outside of that? Because Jesus is inviting the Pharisees today to step outside of that kind of letter of the law mentality that prevents them from seeing that the Son of God is walking amongst them. So shift your emotional house. Allow Jesus to jolt you and me into a sense of awe, of his presence, And we find them in our breath when we can take a deep breath and say thank you, as he often did to his father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all the gifts you've given me. When we can take a deep breath and acknowledge that we have that certainty for this moment, that we are here in this moment, we can find that sense of awe that Jesus was so good at inviting his disciples into. And you and I, are his disciples. So shall we step into joy and all? I welcome you there.